The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 347 for Monday, August 8th, 2011. to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab, the show where you send in some questions, we provide some answers, we all provide some tips, and together we learn new stuff about computers and uh, all the things that kind of work with them. Here in Durham, New Hampshire today, I am Dave Hamilton. Here in Fairfield, Connecticut, John Efron. How you doing today, John? I am doing great because, you know, I, I woke up bright and early, Dave. You did? You know why I did? Why? <clears throat> I told you they were doing my street. Oh. <laughs> and you know what? Those uh, the, those machines that rip the pavement or dig a layer of pavement off of the, 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 the road, yeah. they're really loud, especially when they're right outside of your house. Oh, that's nice. And I learned, I, I thought our uh, you know quiet hours were until 8. Apparently, it's 7 a.m., at oh. least during the week. That's nice. Yeah, right? It's 7 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I'll awesome. record it next time. Oh, that'd be great. We'll put that in as, instead of the theme music on the, uh, on the show <laughs> intro here. We don't want to lose listeners. No. All right. Speaking of listeners, uh, Randy wrote in and asked. Uh, his, his, so I'll, I'll preface this by saying he's got a question that is sort of lion related, but really it's not. Uh, he says, I just set up an iMac without doing a migration. Everything went smooth and it wasn't nearly as bad as setting up things from scratch as I had imagined it was going to be. There is one thing in mail that is driving me crazy and I can't figure out how to change the setting behavior. On my old machine using mail, if I start a new email and tab down from to to subject and then hit tab once more, it went to the customize box. Uh, tab again would take me to the from dropdown and once more to the body of the email. On the newly installed iMac with Lion, if I hit tab from the subject, it bypasses both customize and from and goes directly to the body. Do you know how I might be able to force it to stop on the from dropdown? Indeed, we do. Uh, so this is actually not a function of Lion, nor is it a function of Mail. It's actually just uh, it, it's a setting that you're uh, missing in the OS. So if you go into and this works on Snow Leopard or Leopard as well. Uh, if you go into system preferences and go to keyboard and then go to keyboard shortcuts uh, there at the bottom, there will be a setting uh titled full keyboard access. And uh, the description for that is in windows and dialogues, press tab to move keyboard focus between, and then you have two choices and the choices. And by default is the first one text boxes and lists only, or uh, the second option, which is all controls. What you're used to Randy and what many of us have gotten used to is all controls. And oftentimes this is set, you know, you, you, you're told to set this by some piece of software because it's going to make it work in a, in a way that's kind of more intuitive. And then you wind up uh, maybe not even realizing, but it winds up, you know, impacting the rest of your system as well. So this is what does this in mail. And, and I, uh, I actually confirmed it, but, but uh, just now, but, but, in, but it, it does, I, I knew it would. So, uh, so that, that'll do it for you. And again, yeah, if you set up a machine by default, this typically is going to be on, just text boxes and lists so you don't get little drop downs and uh and that sort of thing so hopefully huh. that does it for you 
You say, huh? Does it not work for you, John? Oh, no, 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 it works. Okay. Uh, I'm, what I'm pondering is why would you not want... Well, I guess, I guess they're defaulting to text boxes and lists only because it, it makes navigation probably easier and less complicated. Right. Well, you know, so Safari is an excellent example of where this can be it, a little pedantic. Okay. So, yeah, in Safari. Pedantic. Yeah. Well. <laughs> let, me, let me get my vocabulary. <laughs> here's where it gets pedantic, right? So if you're on the default, which is just text boxes and lists, and you're in the URL bar in Safari and you hit tab, it brings you to the search bar. And then when you hit tab again, it brings you to the first element in the page that you could type text. Whereas if you're on all controls and you do the same thing, you tab to the search bar, of course, and then you start tabbing through every single item in your mm -hmm. bookmarks bar. Now, this may be what you want, but again, if it's not what you want and you just want to get to some box in the page, it can, yes, be pedantic. So that's, uh, you know, it's, it's personal preference. But but it is an all or nothing thing. You don't get it in one app versus the other, at least not in any way I know. If you know, tell us, because it would be cool to be able to turn this on. I'd love to turn this off for Safari, I think. I never really have, uh, so I don't know what it would be like with it off. But, uh, you know, that, so anyway, there you go. Yeah, good? Great. Time to move to Joshua. Indeed. Right? All right. So Joshua writes... I've got a pile of old ATA hard drives in my classroom. I'd like to quickly wipe and reformat them without installing them in machines. Is there a way to adapt them to use a USB port on my Mac? I see a lot of drive docs for SATA drives, but not for the older ATA drives. Any thoughts, John? Absolutely. I have a number of thoughts. So one, you could get a hammer. No, no, that's bad. That's bad. Well, you know what you could get, though? This is the expensive option. Now, we've seen this at some of the shows we've been to, Dave. They do have drive shredders. Yeah, but huge. I, I know. Okay. He wants to use his USB port. Well, I think they have USB ports on these things. But he, I think he wants to, <laughs> wants to like re reformat them, not to necessarily throw them away. He might want to use them later. He just wants to clear them. I up. know. So what he wants to get. So, so I have a, a, two suggestions. Drive so one, and, and, and they're. I, I thought he said he wanted to wipe them. Well, he, if he no, wants he to wipe, wipe them for security. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. all right. Then we're not going to talk about industrial shredders. Oh, those are cool, though. I know. Have you seen the videos? <laughs> okay. So let's link uh, to one of those videos just in case anybody's curious. Okay. okay. So here's what I'm going to suggest. So one with a caveat. So, so the one device, and I think you have this as well, Dave, and, and I know a lot of people have this, and this is, um, I'm going to say quick and dirty. And they actually, when I, when I suggested this on Twitter, they got back to me saying, well, it's quick, but not dirty that they didn't like me using the word dirty. Of course but newer has a USB 2.0 universal drive adapter. Newer, of course, being owned by Otherworld computing, MacSales.com. It's all the same. Yeah, yeah. they're, they're all the same. Uh, the only reason I say dirty. So the thing is this will handle both ATA and SATA drives. The thing is, is that it is a connector that connects to the drive. And, and so the reason I said that, it wasn't to, to uh, you know, say there's anything wrong with the product. There certainly isn't. The thing is, you just got to be careful because the drive will be expo normally exposed. So you want to make sure you don't put it on a surface where it could short out or, or, or something like that. So that's why, I'm, uh, that's why I say is a quick and dirty solution. You want to make sure wherever you put the drive is, you know, non-conductive and... You know, just uh, the, 
You see where I'm going with this? Yeah. So that's why I like this solution. But, you know, it's portable. Uh, you know, I think it's self it's powered through the bus and it's USB 2. So you're going to get USB 2 speeds. So that's one thing I'd suggest. And I'm looking on their page here and it says it's $34.99 retail, though, though I think you can get it for a little less depending on where you get, you get it from. Cool. But on their page here, $34.99. The other suggestion I would have, and this is also an inexpensive option. Uh, if you go to maxsales.com newer, whoever, I was looking through their list. So if you use the search feature and, you know, I've, I've bought an enclosure, enclosures from them in the past and I see here. So what you want to do is you want to search through their list of enclosures. And I found Mac alley firewire slash USB 2.0, two and a half inch external enclosure for IDD slash ATA hard drives, uh, 40 bucks. Okay. So, so that's an enclosure. So not quite as easy to use as, this. well, I, I mean, I'd, I'd yeah. I'd be more comfortable with an enclosure. Well, I I think a lot of these enclosures aren't too complicated. You, know, to you, open you screw them open, you put the drive in, you close it up. Uh, if you're in an uh, environment where you're concerned about, you know, whether it be kids or pets or, or something, yeah. you know, potentially touching or disturbing the drive, then you may want to consider an enclosure. Otherwise, the, uh, you know, the adapter. And they're about the same price. So, yeah, the, so those are the, the adapter, two. J- just to make. It clear. It's just an adapter, right? It. I mean, it's it's actually two adapters. One part plugs into USB. One plugs into power. And they, you know, assuming the drive needs uh, a non USB power, um, then it, uh, it, you know, but it's it's just loose wires is what it looks like. I mean, it, it plugs in all fine, but it's it's mm-hmm. it's not uh, it's not the kind of thing you'd want to use long term. But it's perfect for the example that uh, that Joshua describes. I think. Yes, and it does support ATA, which now you may also see referred to as uh, PADA, parallel ATA, because of course SATA is the other option. Ah. So, so I think the uh, I think they can hook you up with uh, with with either choice, and I think either one is uh, is good. Cool. Uh, have you wanna, seen any? Oh, have you ahead. seen any? Uh, no, have you? Uh, I'm wondering if you've seen any. I mean, most of what I've seen for those adapters is usb have you seen any that use any different you mean for the the just the adapter thing no just usb that's all i've seen but you know for what he's doing here is i don't think it matters if he's just formatting and uh wiping and formatting the drive i mean there's no data transfer happening so um i mean not anything significant not unless you're doing one of the uh, sophisticated erase options. Yeah, but even that, it's going to be the speed of the drive that's going <laughs> right, to dictate right. what goes on. I mean, you're not mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. you're not pushing data like crazy at it. So, okay, uh, I don't think so. Anyway, am I am I am I misthinking that? I might be. Well, I mean, you have to tell the drive. I mean, if you're doing one of these, it's buried somewhere within disutility. I don't know exactly where. Yeah, maybe you could find it for me while I'm babbling here. But there is a place where when you do a an erase, you can choose either a quick erase, right, which will basically just get rid of the directory uh, and none of the contents. So, so if someone gets a, a drive scanner, they can still see. Uh, assuming you didn't encrypt the drive, they can still see the the data. So that's a quick erase. But then they have these more sophisticated erases that'll do. I think there's a one pass seven pass and like a DOD, you know, black ops level uh, 35 pass, right. where it actually writes all sorts of different things. So it actually is doing data transfer. For some reason, I thought that, man, yeah, I might be, you might be right. Yeah, that might, but even still. No, they do it. And I, and I think the accepted way is to write first one pattern, then another pattern, and then another, because drives at least the, the, the uh, rotational drives 
uh, that use magnetism have a memory. And if you have the right tools, you can actually recover data, even if it's been erased once, from what I understand. Yeah, in theory. Yeah. Yeah, though then... You know, if you got to worry about that, then you're probably have bigger problems than right. <laughs> then you need to get one of those shredders. <laughs> that, as far as I know, is is not easy to uh, to recover from. Yeah. All right. So All right. our our first sponsor for this show is a new sponsor, and we would like to welcome FreshBooks to the Mac Geek Gab sponsorship family. Uh, so FreshBooks is an online invoicing service system. Really, is the is the right way to look at it. And, and it's cool it, for anybody that runs a business where invoicing is driving, you, you know, your, your driving force. Like, like if you're doing, you know, any, any sort of uh, consulting, you know, if you're out there, like I, certainly for me, when I was running my, my Dave, the nerd business, and I was out doing uh, jobs for people and helping them fix their computers, massively invoice focused business, right? Uh, other people we might be web designers, graphic designers, even software developers, right? I, we've got some iOS developers here, uh, consultants of various types, not just computer consultants, but marketing, you know, uh, any sort of thing. Lawyers, even anybody that's a construction, right? You're, you're doing invoicing. And from what I know and from the people I talk to, Invoicing is a pain in the neck, right? So much so that I know a lot of folks, and, and I certainly wasn't immune to this myself, who would put off invoicing, right? You're happy to do the work because that's what you got into business to do. And then you, you know, well, invoices, oh yeah, I got to do that. And then I really like my clients and I hate sending them invoices and telling them to send me money. And, and so you, you get into this whole thing and, and the software to, that, you get, that you have to create invoices typically isn't that great. Well, that's what FreshBooks is for. Dare I say, and I've played with it a little bit, it actually makes invoicing fun. Uh, it, and, and here's the great part. You can get started for free. Uh, if you have three or less clients, it'll always be free. Uh, but if you have more than three clients and you start paying different amounts and, uh, and you can do it with just your own, if, if it's just you, or even if you have employees, especially if you've got stuff where you're tracking time here and there, you might actually make more money because FreshBooks makes it so easy to track time that, you know, if you, if you do 10 minutes on the phone with a client, you might be inclined if, if it's a pain in the neck to log it somewhere, you might be inclined to say, ah, you know what, forget it. I'll just give it to them as a freebie, not with FreshBooks. FreshBooks makes it really easy. So you'll just go online, you log it. And over time, now you're actually making more money just because you're using this service. Uh, so check it out. It's freshbooks.com. You can sign up and they're doing something really cool for our listeners, John. You know, everybody uh, that, that advertises, you know, they try to think, well, how can we track things? How do we know who's signing up from where? And of course, with podcasts, that's sort of a, a, a lost cause because you don't want to become known as the coupon guy that's always doing coupons. And, you know, so how do you do that? Well, they've got a cool thing. They're going to give away a birthday cake uh, for uh, every week that somebody signs up from the show. So you go and you sign up for FreshBooks. Check it out. It's free. You're, this isn't going to cost you anything. So you go and you sign up and uh and, and in the uh, thing, it says, how did you hear about us? Put in MGG or Mac Geek Gab or whatever you want. They'll aggregate it all together. Uh, and uh, no, it doesn't have to be your birthday. It's just birthday cake. I mean, everybody likes birthday cake. I love birthday cake. I should bake a birthday cake tonight. In fact, I might because birthday cakes, it's awesome, right? You get the, the cake and the frosting and it's good. So uh, so go sign up at FreshBooks. Check it out and, uh, and make sure you put MGG or Mac Geek Gab in the how did you hear about us field. 
and uh, and you'll be entered in to win one of those birthday cakes. So uh, so check it out. Freshbooks.com. All right, John, uh, you like birthday cake, don't you? Mm. Oh, come on. Just say you love birthday cake. How could you? Not I, love I, I love cake? I like cupcakes. Oh, cupcakes are good, too. We had cupcakes last night. Yeah, cupcakes are good. They're like, oh, I saw cake. your picture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, no, I like cupcakes because you, you, you get to sample you know, different types. I lost cause. All right. Uh, Lisa writes. Uh, sorry, guys. I just can't keep all the lion eyes stuff straight. Can you remind me what happens to my nice mail.app syncing that I now do with mobile me when mobile me dies in June 2012? If I am on Lion or B, if I have not yet upgraded to Lion, but am lagging behind on Snow Leopard. The same with iDisk, which I was using, I guess, like you guys use Dropbox to put a file in the cloud and retrieve it from any computer anywhere by signing on to mobile, mobile me. So those are Lisa's questions. John, do you have uh, an, an answer for her? At least do you want to start this one off? Wow. You know, I don't know if I do. Well, I'm, I'm going to start because. Okay. You may be asking yourself, you know, does, is Apple going to answer these sort of questions for us? And the good news is, yes, they have a page that specifically talks about this, but it doesn't. What do I mean by that? <laughs> now I got you totally confused. Well, no, what I'm looking at here. So at the very high level, uh, so the article is called Mobile Me Frequently Asked Questions About the Mobile Me Transition on iCloud. And what they do is they have a list here of Mobile Me services and whether or not they're available in iCloud. And the ones that have a check mark next to them are mail, contacts, calendar, bookmarks, find my iPhone, and back to my Mac. Okay. Now it says mail. It doesn't specifically say mail.app syncing. Well, I think she's talking about, uh, well, there's two types of syncing, right? There's the account details, but then there's also right. the uh, <clears throat> the account, uh, j- just your, your mail data, which is happening via IMAP. And uh, and that that will work with with uh, with iCloud. In fact, I don't think that will change at all from what I understand. Right. Because looking right now, so I'm looking at the sync panel and there are two mail specific items, mail accounts and then mail rules, signatures and smart mailboxes. Right. Are the two things that are synced through mobile me. Right. So based on this article, I think the answer for mail is yes. Now, that's the good news. Now we're going to be batting 500 here. Okay. Because the bad news is the services that are shown not to be available in iCloud are iWeb pub- Publishing, which makes me very sad because I like iWeb. Um, gallery, which I think is the picture gallery, and iDisk will not be available. Right. Yeah. iDisk is going away. So now's a great time. Not that iDisk was everybody's favorite, but now's a great time to look at just about any other uh, cloud file syncing um, well, and you'll, solution. And you there know, are plenty of them out there. Well, and, well, and you'll have, if you're a mobile me customer, uh, you will, and I'm, I'm trying to pull up the... Uh, June 30th, 2012. Is right. Cut you off. That's the day. But here's the thing. If you're a mobile me customer, you actually will get, well, and this is according to uh, the sort of it's the rumor-ish stuff that's out there, but you'll get... Uh, 20 gigs of storage and and uh, or 25 gigs of storage, 20 additional gigabytes of storage with your iCloud account when you transfer over. That's what they're giving to developers, uh, according to I haven't uh, I haven't dug into this, so I I cannot speak from personal experience. But uh, but from what I'm reading, they opened up the transition for developers this past weekend. And what's happening is if you had a mobile me account and you transition it to iCloud, uh, you get the five gigs 
free of iCloud storage and then an additional to 20 gigs uh, because you're transitioning a paid mobile me account over. Uh, and then you can upgrade for more storage from there. But that's not really going to be able to be used like iDisk in that sense for syncing. And you also may start using it to back up your iOS devices, and that will start filling up that space rather quickly. Additionally, it's also going to sync application data around. So 25 gigs might not go as far as as you uh, as you expect. But um, but that that's that's how that's working now. It's um, it's interesting because, uh, yeah, as you said, iDisk also iWeb and photo gallery uh, will you can still use those. Even once you've transitioned your account, you can use those till June 30th. But the moment you transition your account, dashboard widget sync, dock item sync, key change, signatures. And here we go. Mail account rules and mail smart mailboxes and mail preferences all that syncing goes away, according to the uh, reports from the developers this weekend. So, uh, and, and it, in addition to that, uh, I've tinkered a little bit with the CalDAV stuff on this. And of course, anything can change, although I don't think it will. Uh, right now, if you, especially if you use an app like BusyCal, um, but even with iCal, you can sync your calendars to the CalDAV server that MobileMe has, that kind of the new thing that they made us transition to about a year ago, uh, maybe even six months ago, rather. Uh, and those calendars can have events and to-dos in them. The calendars, at least in the way I've experimented with it, the calendars in the iCloud server do not allow, they allow one or the other. You can either have events or to-dos, but not both in the same calendar which is which is a little weird. I'm not sure how that migration is going to work. So I, uh, I, um, which is why I haven't dug into any of this because I don't, you know, I need that data and I don't want it to go away. So I'm not sure how that's all going to work, but, um, but we will wait and see. So be careful. Even if you're a developer out there, if you rely on your calendar data, especially it is not all things created equal as far as I understand. So, um, and it may be better in iCloud, but I don't know. So that's my, that's my feeling on it, John. Yeah. Yeah. I assume you, you haven't dug into any of this. Not the developer stuff. No, I've just read you yeah. know, the articles and, yeah. uh, you know, haven't, haven't really taken any action yet. Yeah. And I'll probably wait until the last minute, just like everybody else. <laughs> well, I, I will not wait until the last minute. I actually am very eager uh, to switch over so much so that I, I even considered putting iOS five, the new beta on my iPhone, which I have not done yet because I rely on that, but, but I'm really eager to start using photo gallery. Um, I think that, or, sorry, um, not photo gallery. What's it called? The, the new photo thing in iCloud, uh, the name escapes me, but, uh, the photo sync thing, what's it called, John? You can, you can help the photo sync thing. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate that. Really, really hey, helpful. That's what I'm here for. Mm -hmm. That's what you're there for. Uh, why can't I think of this uh, thing? I know you all are photo stream. Photo stream. That's it. Because it would be really great. I take a lot of pictures with my iPhone camera, and you know it's not a terrible camera. And frankly, it's the only camera camera I'm really ever going to use because it's with me all the time. So I would love to have it just automatically beam that stuff up to the cloud for me. And, uh, and so I really like the idea of photo stream, but, uh, my calendar is more important to me than that. So I, I'm going to proceed with uh, mm -hmm. at least a little bit of caution, but I am kind of antsy to do it. Cause you know, I'm, that's how I get it's new technology. It's geeky. I gotta, 
I got to make it work. I got to live on the edge, man. So. Now, you know, one thing that you said, I, I'm glad to hear you say, and I think it just bears repeating. So you said you, you're using uh, iOS 5 beta 4, I think it's the latest. From what beta, I hear. beta 5 is what, what came out this weekend, but I'm not oh. using that on my iPhone. No, I'm still on, on 4.3 point whatever <sighs> on my iPhone. Okay. The only reflection I have is that I'm reading uh, mostly in the Twitterverse. A lot of people are saying, I just installed redacted, you know, beta five, and now I lost all my data or none of my stuff works. And it's right. like, it's a beta. Right. You know, do you, do you, right. <laughs> beta means beta. I, yes. uh, just now to be fair, I have, uh, I do have the iOS beta on my iPad too. Right. Mm. Well, it, I mean, I've, I've had it on there for a long time. In fact, <laughs> I did the over the air update, the first over the air update from three to four while I was traveling. There was no way I could have recovered from it with a computer if it messed up and I just trusted it would mm -hmm. work. And it did. But I also knew that it wasn't going to be earth shattering if my iPad turned into a brick for a couple of days until I got home. Mm. Um, okay. You know, right. I, but it's, it's eyes wide open, right? It is like you said, it's beta software and there are things that don't work. I'm not going to go through what they are because it's, it's, it, it's not relevant because it's beta software, right? The stuff that doesn't work is not, it's not surprising. It doesn't work. It's like you said, it's beta software. You have to expect that there are going to be problems. So. Okay. Uh, just just want to reiterate that because every time I read it, I, I just scratch my head because as a software developer, mm -hmm. to me, beta means potential to destroy everything on the device. That's right. Yep. And if it happens, then yeah. Yep. I agree. I, <laughs> That's I what totally betas agree. are for. In exchange for the benefit of getting a peek uh, behind the curtain, right. uh, you, you take the risk. You do. And you can do this, right? It's 99 bucks to join the beta program and then you've got full access to this stuff. Uh, just don't sell off your beta license slots because uh, Apple doesn't doesn't like that, nor should they. They were closing down beta programs for uh, for some developers, apparently, that were, were being and, naughty. And as well, well and tr well, and try to honor the NDA. Yeah, well, you know, it is what it is. I mean, it, it, most of this information's <laughs> yeah. out there. I, you know, what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to sit here and tell you all the things that and I told you this. I'm not going to tell you all the things that are wrong with it because that's not. It's not relevant. However, this iCloud thing with the calendar and this little nuance mm -hmm. that, you know, again, it's not out yet, but I don't think that's going to change based on, you know, it's that that infrastructure is pretty solid. Developers need to be able to work with it and rely on it not being this very malleable kind of, you know, feature uh, features changing all over the place. So that that to me worries me a little bit. And so I just wanted to kind of set on the word of caution before you do it, make sure you know what it's going to be. And it might change between now and whenever you can do it. But uh, anyway. All right. Just a little rant on yep. my part. All right. Um, you know, we talked about mail and lions. So let's stick with uh, let's stick with that. So we've got we've got a couple of voice messages from Adam. Uh, we'll play the first one. I'm not sure if we'll play the second one. We'll see. We'll answer his question. Hey, John and Dave. It's Adam. I was hoping you could help me with this. Um, it seems that the archive function on the iPhone and in Lion do different things. Um, when I'm using, and I'm talking about mail right now, if, I, um, if I'm looking at a piece of mail and, and I'm using Gmail as the server, um, my iPhone will give me an archive button where the delete button normally exists for other uh, mail servers. So if I press that archive button, uh, the mail message uh, is removed from my inbox and filed away, not deleted, 
but kept on the Gmail servers. Uh, I think this is by it uh, just leaving the label of all mail. Um, if I use the archive um, function in Lion, it actually puts the email that I'm archiving into a IMAP folder that it creates on the Gmail server called archive. So these are it's, it's handling the archive function differently, and the result is that mail that I archive on my iPhone disappears from searches. If I try to search for it in Lion, those messages don't come up. But if I search for them uh, in Lion after using the archive feature on the Mac, um, they do come up. They come up in this archive folder. So it's working incongruously, and I'm looking for a way to make it work the same on both platforms. Um, and I could use your help with this. That's it, I guess. All right. Uh, and, and, and so what's important to understand here when we're digging in is a couple things. Number one in Gmail, uh, there are no folders. Uh, there never have been. However, IMAP mail, which many of us are using now because, uh, it works so well with our mobile devices and it really kind of enhances that whole experience. Uh, IMAP mail is built on folders. So what Gmail did in order to kind of layer an IMAP interface on top of this existing Gmail, and they did this a couple of years ago, but it hasn't really changed much is they said, okay, we will call folders the same thing that we call labels. The problem is as Adam uh, infers in his message, things can be Gmail will allow you to assign multiple labels to the same message. And if you have both of those folders going to your IMAP device, well, now you'll have two copies of the same message and that can be very confusing. So that's, it's important to understand that at first. Now uh, there is this all mail label in Gmail and you can go in uh, to your Gmail account. If you go into mail settings and go into labels, you have the option of whether or not to show each label in IMAP, there's little check boxes that go down and I highly recommend, and I think everybody does highly recommends turning off the all mail label because that will force you to have duplicates of everything. Even everything in your inbox will automatically be in all mail as well because it is all mail. So all mail doesn't really work for IMAP. Uh, however, when you on your iOS device, you have two ways of setting up a Gmail account. Uh, number one is to actually choose Apple's Gmail uh, preset. And that will create this situation that Adam is describing. Uh, and it really doesn't work well. Uh, there's a better way to do it. And that's just creating an IMAP only account and plugging in Gmail servers. And I'm not going to go through the steps here. Thankfully we have an article on the site that uh, we published a couple uh, months ago, maybe a year ago now that, that walks through this process for you. And it, it makes it very, very straightforward. Um, Doing that will remove the archive button from mail on your iOS device, but you can still file things by selecting the message and uh, and choosing move. And then you can move it to a folder called archive. Now, whether or not this is going to change in iOS five, I don't think it will um, much, but I think the archive folder or label as you, as you want to call it uh, 
gets highlighted in a different way in iOS five to make this process a little bit more straightforward. So that's, that's going to be the trick. So you're going to unconfigure mail on your, on your iPhone uh, and then reconfigure it. And we'll put the link right here in the show notes so that, uh, so that you know how to do that. That's, that's the, that's really the answer there because it is inconsistent from device to, to between iOS and the Mac. The answer. That's my answer. An answer. Oh, yeah. What's your answer? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to surprise you. No, I actually uh, figured you'd run with this. Okay, um, but no, I, I did find a uh, an article from them, and they another suggestion is that uh, so they claim that their browser based version operates differently on an iDevice. Oh, it does. It's a totally different experience. Yeah. So if you want to archive properly, it sounds like another option is to use the the browser based uh, interface. To Gmail, yeah, right? you know the. Th- yeah, I, I actually would caution. Well, I, 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 I would I, caution okay. against that. All right. Well, I found an article here that suggests that. It also says if you're using iPhone OS four or newer, you may not need to follow these instructions. But I just found something referring to it. Yeah, the problem is it, again because Gmail and IMAP ha- operate under slightly different paradigms. If you're gonna mm-hmm. use IMAP to access your Gmail, my mm-hmm. feeling is only use IMAP to access it. And that way you won't, you won't even open the door to allowing yourself to, to have things in multiple places. If you manage it with IMAP from your Mac and, uh, and just the web interface from your iOS device or even vice versa, you know, you, you could put yourself in a situation where you're putting labels on multiple labels on the same thing and, and confusing yourself. Whereas if you just treat it like an IMAP server and, and it kind of ignore uh, managing it from the web interface other than spam, which is great to manage from the web interface. Um, I, it seems to work a little bit. It's just, it's just a smoother thing. So that that's, uh, you know, plus if you do it on the web, you don't have local copies of your mail. So if you're on an airplane and you want to manage some mail on your iPhone or whatever, you can't cause you're offline unless you have, you know, in flight or go, go, whatever they call it. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, that's you could you can you know occasionally I'll check it online but I'm always you know very aware when I'm managing it on Gmail's interface that I'm only putting things in my archive label and and that sort of thing. So that's that. Do you you don't use IMAP yet on your uh, for all your mail, John? Is that right? For some of it. So you actually you have different- so for for my well for my Gmail and for my mobile me I use IMAP. Okay. For my primary ISP, my only choice is pop. So, and I'm just going to ask this question. It's, it's an exercise for the listeners too, but, but I, but I'm curious why, why bother having, so you manage mail from three different at three different mail servers concurrently, correct? At least. Okay. Why? Here's something I'm going to suggest, and I'm curious to hear why you choose not to do this. Okay. Uh, why not pick your favorite uh, IMAP server, be it Gmail or mobile mm-hmm. or even if you want to be, you know, we can get you an account at Mac observers, IMAP mail server. That's, that's fine. I know a guy, uh, it, you know, <laughs> why not forward all of your mail to one server? And that way you've got it in one place and you're only checking one account, which of course uh, on the road makes life a little bit easier because you're only pulling it in and, and that way you just have, you kind of funnel it all to one place and manage it all there. Have you, have you considered that? And if you have and no. dismissed it, okay. So now that you are considering it, what are your thoughts? 
Um, I guess my thought is the, the one word that you mentioned, single. Single point of failure. Is that your concern? There you go. <laughs> okay. So, so I, I do. But have no, a- I, I just, I just have these, uh, I, I just like having multiple options, not so much for picking up. No, you bring up a good point, but, but for sending. Oh yeah. Cause yeah, as, absolutely. as has been, as has happened with all of these services, uh, especially mobile V, um, it kind of goes up and down and up and down. Right. Um, right. I found that my, the, the ISP, uh, Opt online is uh, probably the most reliable as far as connectivity. I think in the last, and I've been with them years and years, probably 10 years. I think I only recall of one situation where their mail servers were down for a day. And even then they credited people for like a day or a week's worth of time. But, but they are, uh, the only bad news is that they're pop. Right. And and I don't think they're ever going to go to IMAP. No. Mobile me, I've been with, you know, for ages. And uh, once they switched over to IMAP, uh, you know, I switched over that. And Gmail, you taught me how to switch, you know, switch that over. And yeah, I got my Gmail. Uh, Interest or amusingly enough, I got Gmail early on. And so I staked a claim to uh, to my name there. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm not the only John Braun out there. Oh, geez. Tell me about it. Cause I got Dave Hamilton I, at Gmail. I have oh. gotten uh, real estate transactions. Uh, there's a teacher out there. So I get, you know, both, uh, you know, exams and excuses why people couldn't make it to class and, and stuff. Uh, you know, I got a will one time, which made me feel really bad. <laughs> you know, I've got, I, I just get point. so much stuff. It, it's, yeah. it, you know, and I, I usually write back saying, you know, I'm not the John Brown you're looking for. I, I used to do that. <laughs> And I used to ask the people say, listen, cause I've got some people that, that have told a lot of people that their email address is Dave Hamilton at gmail.com. And it's clearly not, or Dave Hamilton at me.com. Please don't send me mail to those addresses. There's better addresses. And we'll talk about those in a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those are the, those are the ones I have. And so I get it constantly. And you know, for a while I was getting, there's, I don't know, one of the Dave Hamilton's out there and like on the, uh, in somewhere in the Pacific Northwest, he works at some theater and I would get things from people saying, Dave, can you, uh, you know, work for me on Tuesday night or whatever. And I used to reply, say, please tell him, you know, I have no way of getting in touch with him because he thinks this is his email address, you know. And I would get like, you know, online dating site registrations. It was clearly the same dude. And so and nobody ever either nobody ever told him or he ignored it thinking, no, that's stupid. Of course, I'm Dave Hamilton at Gmail. He's got to wonder how come he can't get into the account, even though he sends through all these password requests, you know, things. But, uh, so now it's, if somebody writes me and says, will you, uh, will you work for me on Tuesday? I just say yes. And, uh, you know, I did that twice and all of those went away, created a little pain point and the problem went away. <laughs> That's it. Yep. Somebody expected Dave to be there and, uh, and he wasn't, so, so, he had oh, no idea. So I should have done that. So if I get stuff for the teacher, I could just write back and said, you failed. Mm-hmm. Drop the class now. Drop. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's, you know, because I tried. I really. Or the will, I, sp- I could just say, just send the check. Send me the check. I Thank spent you. a lot of time. Or the real estate transaction. I'll say, yeah, um, yeah I'll buy. No, oh, no. Yeah, that's right. Yep. We're, we're, we got a deal. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't typically like to respond that way, but I got frustrated. I invested a lot of time trying to help this dude and, and uh, nobody else. I, either he didn't want to help himself or no one that knew him wanted to help him. So anyway, Ken, save us. Hey, John, Dave, and Pilot Pete. This is Ken from Anchorage, Alaska. Uh, I had a question about uh, Safari 5.1 under Lion. Um, 
I've poked around um, in many of the news sites giving uh, Safari 5.1 reviews, and they all are you know saying that it's great and wonderful, and for the most part it is. Um, but if you're security conscious or at least uh, anal retentive about cookie blocking, um, I haven't seen any mainstream site talk about its lack of ability to block third-party cookies or any cookies for for that matter. Um, so if you go to uh, preferences, privacy, and then select block cookies from third parties and advertisers, um, you would imagine that it would do that, but I don't think it does. So if you go, if you, if you check that option and then, uh, visit something like CNN or CNET or whatever, um, third party cookies and tracking data is still acquired from sites like DoubleClick, um, and a whole bunch of other, um, nasty, um, places despite, um, you know, performing that step. So in other words, Safari 5.1 doesn't seem to block any third-party cookies whatsoever. Um, and if you go to the um, discussionsapple.com, discussions.apple.com, um, and look under the Safari um, discussions and then sort by cookies, um, you'll see a whole mess of people having the same problem. Um, What's worse, though, is if you just say, oh, well, you can blow all these away, and then you click the remove, you know, remove all website data option, this also deletes your extension preferences, at least for an, um, an extension like um, Adblock. So I don't, that, I mean, that's not good because basically Chrome and Firefox, for example, as far as I know, they separate local data like extension prefs and offline storage from cookie tracking data. And so to me, Safari just sucks right now. So anyway, I'm curious to get, you know, hear your thoughts on this. Um, and um, hopefully um, Apple will come out with a, uh, a fix. Um, so, all right. Thanks, guys. I'll talk to you later. Okay, so I'm, I'm sure I'm going to rant here a little bit at some point, John. Well, hold on. The first thing I want to do, I want to review, because I think I understand this, but uh, I think you know more about cookies than I do, uh, Dave. But I just want to, to do a level set here. So okay. I believe what a cookie is. So, so what he's saying. So cookie is a piece of data that can be placed on your computer by a website. Correct. But, and, and one of the attributes of a cookie is the name of the site that placed it there yes. or a value. No, and, it, and one, it will be the name of the site because that's Safari putting that in there. OK. Yeah. Now, and one setting, as uh, as was mentioned, that you can have is you can say, OK, only allow cookies that are coming from the site that I'm on or also allow cookies I, I assume if you embed, especially ad networks or other content from other sites on your site, I, I guess it's possible to have them with a name from a site other than the site. Cor or correct. Or? So, it, it, yeah. And, and what I want to add to this and then I'll 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 answer your your query here, John. But uh, it's important to note that the URL or the domain that the cookie is from is the only place that your browser will let read that cookie. So if you have a cookie from MacObserver.com and you visit MacWorld.com, they cannot Safari will not let them read that data because they are not MacObserver.com. They are MacWorld.com. So okay. so that's important to know. It's not like your data is just, you know, that this data and remember, this is data that the server is storing. Now, it could be personally identifiable. Certainly, if you have given 
Uh, for example, at Mac Observer, if you log into our forums or for our pre- for your premium membership here or whatever, uh, you, you know, your username might be in there. We don't store your password there, of course, but we store a hash that then ma- matches the hash on our back end. Uh, but personally identifiable, yes, but Macworld wouldn't know what your username at Mac Observer was. However, uh, and, 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 and so, you know, that, that's right. Now, Mac Observer, when you visit Mac Observer, you might get cookies from other domains. One of those domains might be Backbeat Media because that's where our ad server's from. Uh, you might also get cookies from uh, some advertisers that are on there. Now, there are reasons for this, and they're really not bad. Uh, we use cookies in our ad server to, uh, to frequency cap advertisements. So let's say uh, we have... Uh, the world computing, because they actually they aren't advertising now. They should be, but they're not. But, you know, if, if they say, look, uh, we want to have, uh, um, you know, an ad show a maximum of three times per individual user. And then after they've seen an ad three times in 24 hours, we don't want it to show again. We can set that in our ad server. Problem is, if you've got if you're blocking cookies, you're just going to keep getting those ads over and over and over again. Um and and that may or may not be what the uh, what the sponsor wants. And maybe, you know, I don't see why a user would care about about that. I, you know, there, there's this whole big thing and I'm going to rant a little about blocking cookies from advertisers. But in reality, how bad is that? I mean, what I like, you know, I'm a I'm a, obviously a computer geek. I'm also a watch geek. I, you know, there's other things that I'm into and it's it's fascinating, right? Sometimes I'll visit a site about like gardening and I'll see an ad for, you know, wristwatches in the sidebar. And I know darn well that's happening because I've expressed interest elsewhere in wristwatches and then they're targeting me with that ad. That's much better for me because I'm getting an ad that's actually relevant to me. I think that's a good thing. Um, also mm-hmm. now, you know, there's a lot of things. So that's one reason why you might want to accept third party cookies. Another reason is, you know, something like Facebook integration or, or, or like discuss some of these, uh, uh, community, in, uh, things where you're going to embed or, or Twitter or whatever in order, like we put Facebook stuff on Mac observer. So you can say, I like, or I recommend this page or I like Mac observer, but in order for that to work, you have to be accepting cookies from Facebook while you're on Mac Observer, or you have to also allow Facebook to read your Facebook cookie, not your Mac Observer cookie, while you're on Mac Observer in order for that to work. So there are more and more now, especially, but it's always been this way, uh, there are needs for third-party sites to read and write data on, uh, you know, while you're visiting other websites, there's all this integration happening out there. Uh, and, and blocking that stuff causes a lot of problems. Now, years ago, there was a a thing that Microsoft started called P3P, which was a standard that allowed the third party server. So let's, let's say you visit MacObserver.com and backbeat media shows you a, uh, an ad and then backbeat media tries to drop a cookie. Well, there was some initial concern, and this will be, sound surprising to a lot of you, but there was some initial concern that Backbeat Media might not want Mac Observer setting a Backbeat Media cookie. So this P3P thing would be something that the Backbeat Media server would push out and say, we allow our cookies to be set as third-party cookies. And, and that worked really, really well. Of course, Safari never supported that, um, 
And, and, and then they started to support it in different ways. Uh, not really P3P, but they started kind of loosening some of their settings. And then I think they've gone too far with five one in that. I, I think they've got a bug. I think they've, it doesn't really matter how it's set. Everything allows cookies, you know, and, and that might not be what you want. I, again, I, I urge all of you to really sit down and think about why you're blocking these, these cookies, especially blocking third party cookies, because I, I can't for me come up with a re now, of course, you know, my, my business leads me one way. Right. And, and so I see all the benefits of third party cookies, but I just don't see a problem with this. Uh, and in fact, I see a lot of problems crop up when I'm blocking those things because all this other integration stuff just doesn't work. So uh, Firefox by default allows all cookies, by the way. Uh, Safari is the only browser that by default didn't. Uh, I think recently the default in Safari is to allow all cookies um, because of all these problems that Apple was you know, getting reports of. But um, but they may have changed that in line. I'm not sure what the default in line is, to be brutally honest. I'll know when I get my iMac because it'll have a, a fresh install of of uh, of Lion on there. So I'll check it before I blow it away and, and re-import all my settings. So that's my thing. Anyway, and, and by the way, I'm not going to get into a long thing about this, but you shouldn't be using ad blockers. That's that's stealing content. But we'll just leave it at that. You got, you got anything to add there, John, after my little, no, little cookie no. lesson. Does that make sense? Am I, am I, am I sounding like a maniac? Uh, I mean, am I making sense while I'm sounding like a maniac? I can understand the reluctance of some people having data that they don't quite understand being placed on their computer. I think that's there could it. be privacy issues. Yeah. I think that's it. It's not understanding what it is. I think that's, that's that. And that's fair. Absolutely. And I think it's, uh, I mean, you see similar discussions with people that don't like to use loyalty cards at the store because they're right. like, oh no, somebody's going to know what brand of beer I buy or what brand of this or that. And I, I think I was like that a, a number of years ago when, when I was all about this privacy thing. But then I thought, you know, does it really matter? Right. I mean, you know, is it a big deal if someone knows what other ads you viewed and maybe customizes the experience? I'm starting to think that as well. I, I like getting coupons and offers for things that interest me. Right. So, so I, I've changed my thinking, but, but, yeah. but, it, but it's, but, but it's because you've learned. I mean, it, 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 so your, your point is a valid one that if people don't understand what these cookies are doing, um, then, then it makes total sense that somebody would, would want to block them. So, now, so here's my question to all of our listeners wanna... and, and, and then, yeah, we, we don't have to stop this topic, but my question to all of you is examples that we haven't already pointed out uh, of either reasons to have third party cookies or not to have them that we've missed here, because I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to educate everybody so you can make this decision in an informed way for yourself, uh, as opposed to just assuming it's bad or assuming it's good. So okay, go ahead, go ahead, John. No, the only thing I'll offer is that now one problem that I did see, and unfortunately, there's an article on Mac Observer about this, is that they did kind of dumb down the interface that lets you view the cookie data. And then in the prior version of Safari, you actually got a pretty good summary of, you know, the cookie name, where it came from, uh, the contents. And that may make a lot of people feel better because when you look at it, you'll you'll see that a lot of it. You know, none of it, it's not your social security number, or your credit card number, or anything like that, or at least it shouldn't be. <laughs> right. If it is, then somebody's doing it wrong. Somebody's doing it wrong. Um, That's right. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, but actually, there, there was an article that, yeah, I just saw us put up the other day that uh, tells you how to look at that. that they've hidden that data from people. And I, I think that's wrong. Yeah, I agree. It harder with you. to get to. Yeah. Yeah. It was nice to be able to see what it was. I mean, a lot of times it's stored in a hash and it's not abundantly easy to see, but sometimes it's not. You know, sometimes you just see like, here's my username. OK, great. You know, if you also see your password, that's bad. It means like you said, John, it means that they're doing something wrong. They're implementing it incorrectly. But uh, and that can be the fear as well. I think that's the fear is that. Yeah. And this actually know, makes it worse because you don't know what they're storing. So, you know, now Apple's obscured this. Yeah, that's not good. All right. Uh, second sponsor, gazelle.com. You've got all this electronics. I know you do. Because you're like us, you're geeky and you've collected computers and you're into this stuff. So not only have you collected computers, but you've got extra iPods that you're not using anymore and your old cell phones and uh, and maybe even, you know, some other electronic stuff. Go to gazelle.com. Just take a couple of minutes. It's not going to cost you anything. In fact, you might actually make some money. Uh, go to gazelle.com and start typing in all the stuff that you have. Pick three or four things and just type them in. And be honest about how you, you know, what condition you feel it's in and all that stuff. And Gazelle will tell you what they'll pay you for it. And if you want it, say go. Gazelle sends you, uh, in some cases, they'll send you a box. They almost always will pay for the shipping. Uh, you send the stuff off to them. They evaluate it, make sure it matches what you said. Uh, and if it does, they send you your money. If it doesn't, they tell you what they think. Sometimes they think it's worse than what you said. Sometimes they think it's better. Either way. You get to choose at that point. Do you want to go forward with it or do you want to have them return it? If you want them to return it, they send it back. Otherwise, you made some money. You cleared out all that junk from uh, your uh, your house and uh, and you had some fun because it is fun digging through and figuring out what your stuff is worth. So gazelle.com. Check it out. Just play. It's uh, it, you might wind up using it. You might not go play with it. Have some fun. Gazelle.com. All right. Uh, you know, while we're on the subject of Safari, I want to share one thing. Michael's going to say this is from Michael Johnston, who converts the show to AAC. He's also the uh, We Have Communicators podcast host. Uh, in his comment, he says that this would work with Lion and it does. But he also followed up and said uh, it's kind of flaky. So don't necessarily he doesn't necessarily recommend that you do this in Lion. But here we go. Hey, guys, it's Michael Johnston calling. I have a tip for all of your listeners who upgraded to Safari 5.1 and realized that it's making them crazy. For me, it was uh, the fact that it doesn't work with WebKit plugins now, and I can't use Click to Flash. So it's just driving me nuts, and there are a couple other things, like the way they do autofill and uh, the web inspector. So I had to downgrade to Safari 505, and it turns out you can do that uh, with a little bit of trickery. So what you want to do is download... Safari 505, the installer for that, from Apple, and I'll send along the link to that, and uh, you can put it in the show notes, and I'll put it in the AAC feed as well. Uh, but you download that package, and uh, so the first bit of trickery is that you have to use Pacifist. You can't use the standard installer app because it'll say, hey, you already have Safari 5.1. What are you doing? So you open it up in Pacifist. You do... The, the standard install through Pacifist, and at some point it'll start asking you, do you want to replace? And of course you do want to replace. So check the box that says apply to all, click on replace, and it'll ask you maybe once or twice for different types of files. And uh, you know once that's all done, you'll be able to reopen Safari and it'll be 
the previous version, 505. Now, this works under Snow Leopard. However, I did try it under Lion as well. Now, Safari 5.1, I believe, is the default in Lion. Uh, so you run into a, a couple more issues with that. When I did it, uh, Pacifist complained about replacing a file with a folder, and it asked if you wanted to continue or stop, and I don't believe it did any replacements for that bit. Uh, and I actually had to just hold down return uh, to get past the, uh, I don't know, 20 or so prompts. So I don't really recommend it to anybody who isn't a savvy user uh, to install it under Lion. However, it does seem to work, so it might not be an issue. So there you go. Hope that helps everyone out there who has uh, just been driven a little bit crazy by Safari 5.1. See ya. Thanks, Michael. That's awesome. That's, uh, that's, I, I love that and, stuff. And you know, one other thing I noticed. Yeah. So yeah, there, there's some weird stuff in five one that I don't know if I'm entirely happy with. There used to be this trick where if you're on a site and it was downloading a flash movie or an FLV file in the background, you could click on the activity box and you would see all of the, the little bits and pieces that are making up the web page. At least with the prior version of Safari, if you clicked on the entry for that FLV file, it would download it. And then you could save it and play it back with, with the player. Yeah. Now it doesn't seem to do that anymore. Really? Huh. Yeah, at least uh, on one page that I was at, I, I clicked on it and all of a sudden it opens it up in, an, in a new tab. So I, I don't know if my, uh, my settings are not right, but uh, yeah, there's... there's uh, yeah, and yeah, one or, one or two of the add-ons uh, don't, don't seem to work anymore. They're not updating properly, so right. they... Uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm entirely thrilled with the uh, It's a whole different uh, thing. Update. But it's, you know, it's all that security, right, of, of keeping everything in its own little sandbox. And, uh, well, you know, I did notice that, yeah. Especially if you have Little Snitch, you'll notice a lot more notifications uh, because there's a new security model, and it brings up, a, I, I forget if it's called plugin component or something, but, but I get many more notifications uh, when, when something weird is happening on a, on a web page. Yeah. Or as far as where it's trying to reach out to that I didn't see before. So, uh yeah, some mixed bag, I guess. Cool. Hey, you know, in uh, the last show, we talked about that quartz filtered thing to uh, customize your own reduced file size for PDFs back in uh, show 345. So last Monday's show, um, Joel, listener Joel posted a comment to the article saying uh, there was one small problem. The filter I'm setting up in ColorSync Utility does not show up in the list when I choose export from preview. Uh has anyone else noticed this? He asked. And, and sure enough, he's right. I did find an answer, though. Uh, when you create a filter using the color sync utility, it puts it in your home folder, the library folder and the filters folder. Preview doesn't look there. It only looks in system library filters. So the trick is to just use the finder and move the filter that you've created from the from your home folder to the system folder. Now, uh, when you do that in the finder, it, it asks you to type your password because it has to make you a, an admin user to write to that directory. It's also important to remember that if you do migration assistant, uh, it's not going to take that filter with you because uh, it doesn't go grab stuff, that stuff from the system. It only grabs typically only grabs stuff from the user folder. That's not entirely correct, but that stuff won't go with you. Uh, but the stuff in your user folder will, but that's, that's how you get preview to, uh, to see it and really, really handy. So, uh, so thanks for, thanks for noticing that Joel. And I'm glad we were able to find an answer for you. Have you used that yet, John? I love it now that I've, I've found it. I dug in, I haven't used it yet, but, uh, 
but I totally concur with, you know, they're defaulting to using, you know, fly spec five as the, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> default yeah, <it's laughs> font terrible. size. Uh, it's yeah. It wasn't a good choice. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. You know, we've got, uh, we've gone pretty deep on a couple of things, but, uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll try and keep these last couple light here. Uh, Harvey writes, uh, and we'll fail at keeping this light, of course, John, but we'll, we'll, that our, our intent is sound. Harvey writes, my mail program just decided on its own over the last two days to stop showing some of my emails in HTML format. So now I get plain text messages instead on each message. I can go to view and choose message best alternative to redisplay the message properly. But it is a pain to have to do this for each individual email. I can't find any preference setting that allows me to set view as HTML for all incoming mail. How do I reset mail so that it will let me see mail in HTML view? So, uh, I, I, and, and we've gone back and forth with Harvey on this. The first thing we thought was, you know, checking in, in the v- mail preferences viewing pane, but, uh, but nothing was there. Uh, now what Harvey did was he did our little search to see what preference, uh, was changed most often when he was messing around in mail. And of course, in the preferences, home library preferences folder, that is com.apple.mail.plist. He quit mail, deleted that preference and restarted mail. Now, here's an interesting part. Uh, it deleted one of his Gmail accounts and relisted a number of emails that he had previously deleted or erased a while ago. Uh, he says, I recreated the Gmail account and deleted all the old me- emails and trashed them. All is now well again. It even listed the mails that I had in the Gmail account that had been erased once I reinstated it, probably because they were still on the server. I assume that the mail preference file somehow got corrupted. I did discover while I was figuring it out that while I'm on a text mail, all I have to do is press option command and the right uh, square bracket to change it to HTML. Somewhat a pain if you have to do it for every message. So this is very interesting. So clearly uh, there was something in that preference file or simply rebuilding that mailbox fixed it. It was either a corruption in the mailbox or in the preference file, but uh but interesting to try and you can rebuild a mailbox just by going highlighting the mailbox and mail and going to the mailbox menu and choosing rebuild. But that's interesting. And there are a lot of kind of funky preferences in mail that, uh, that aren't available in the GUI. So uh, did, did you, did you dig into this one at all, John? Do you have any, any thoughts on what that preference might've been that, that, uh, that he found there? No. Okay. I, I like it when we can find those, you know, those little things out there. Yeah, mail. I uh, yeah. After the upgrade, like I mentioned, I had a couple of hiccups there, but uh, it just you know what? One thing I did find, which uh, not a big revelation here, right. but I noticed in one of my inbox in my inbox, I got this nice new uh, organized by conversation view. Yeah, and I'm like, wow, that's really cool. So I go to my other mailboxes, and I'm like, where'd it go? What happened? Well, this one's easy to solve. You got to go to the view menu and say organized by conversation, but apparently it's only enabled for the main inbox and not for the inboxes that you have defined. So it's afterwards. It's, oh, or at so least on my setup, that's what I, found. I think it's, I think it's just per mailbox. You turn it, it the, the preference is remembered on a per mailbox basis, right? Okay. And I think when it started up, I think it defaulted to enabling it for my inbox, my main inbox, your, your unified inbox. 
Correct. Okay, where they're all together. Right. But not the others. Oh, the others, I saw the old view. Huh. I'm like, well, what? And yeah, so, so it's in the view menu. Not, yeah. not a biggie, but but it kind of surprised me because once you get used to it, uh, I don't know if it's appropriate for every mailbox. I think it is, especially for like our, uh, you know, our uh, feedback at MacGeekGap.com mailbox, Dave. No, that's feedback at MacGeekGap.com. <laughs> but I, I agree with you. No, you're right. For the threaded conversations that we have, because I, I had one interaction on our premium feed that was like 10 messages back and forth, helping a guy solve some bizarre virtual memory problem and uh, following it. Otherwise would have been kind of nasty, but this just made it a snap to to see the whole thing and how it progressed. Yep. It does. And what really helps because you and I obviously both answer emails in, in both feedback and premium at MacGeekab.com and being able to see it actually sorts. I have it sorted by date, but it's the date of the most recent message in the thread. So if I'm going from older to newer, I won't accidentally answer a question that you've already answered because I'll see the answer in the group. It's great. Yeah, I like it. It, it makes life uh, way easier. All right. Uh, one more tip. Can we uh, can we share one more tip? Do you think we have time for that, John? <sighs> yes. Okay. Uh, let's see. Richard writes a quick tip for you. Don't know if you've come across this one. So in addition to the tip for lion of using command option queue to quit an app and discard the windows, you can also hold down the shift key when launching an app, irrespective of its save state, the app will launch in a fresh form. For example, Safari will launch and take you to your homepage instead of reopening old tabs and windows. That's a, that's a good tip. That's the kind of stuff we like. Handy little things, John. Don't you think? Usually. Yeah, well, you know. So, uh, feedback at MacGeekab.com, as we mentioned, is the uh, email address to send in emails, screenshots, uh, audio questions, if you like. Uh, we've had some people send in videos, whatever you want. Cupcakes. Uh, I don't know. We have Dave, I'm almost positive you said feedback. At MacGeekab.com. That's what I said. I also uh, mentioned premium at MacGeekab.com. For those of you that are premium members, you can send in there. Uh, for those of you that aren't premium members, well, why aren't you? It's just 25 bucks, six months, two extra episodes of the Geek Cab, and, uh, and you get to uh, really help out John and I, and, uh, and we appreciate the support, and it, uh, it's a wonderful little family we've got going here, and it's a beautiful thing. Six and Almost six and a half years now. I guess six and a quarter years. Wow. It's a, yeah, it's a beautiful thing we've got going. So thank you all. Uh, premium and, and, and non-premium alike, thank you all for, uh, for being the community that supports what we do here. It's a beautiful thing. And, of course, thanks to our sponsors. Uh, the sponsors are Audio Engine, Barebones Software, Smile, Gazelle, and, of course, now FreshBooks. So thanks. Uh... Audio comments. You can send them into the email addresses, John, but you can also call 206-666-GEEK, which is... Um... 4-3-3-5. 206-666-4-3-3-5. But wait, there's less. You can Skype us to MacGeekGab and uh, tell them how they can find us on Twitter, John. Twitter. There, there's so many options, it's not even funny. <laughs> I am. They're all at Twitter.com. I am John F. Braun. He is Dave Hamilton. Pilot Pete is Pilot Pete. 
Mac Geekab is for news about the podcast and Mac Observer for Absolutely. the publication. And hey, if you want to go on Facebook, facebook.com slash Mac Geekab. And we're starting to get some questions there. And I think we can manage that for for now. Yeah, we actually right? had a question right. queued up for this show that came in from Facebook. We haven't, we didn't address it because we got kind of, uh, you know, we, we, we had other things to do, but it's still on the list. Things don't get deleted. They just get uh, moved off Huge. to future shows. Queued up. Queued up. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to thank Cashfly for providing all the bandwidth and of course uh, that's it. Call it a day. Call it a week. We'll be back a week from today, I think, John. Oh, right. Yeah. Let's get, uh, we did a premium show last week. We'll do one in a couple of weeks. I'll get a couple of gigs this week. Have fun. Don't get caught.